Hey, good morning to you. A happy Wednesday. It's Bruce and Judy. A little bit moist out there right now. Do be careful if you're driving the rain off and on uh, pretty much all day, uh, I think is a, a nice well, way to put it. we're going to get it. a little reprieve for a couple hours. And then the uh, afternoon rush, just in time for the afternoon there rush. There you go. Screw Some thunderstorms possible. Oh, well, there you have it. All right. So Timing uh, is everything. Yeah. Pack the galoshes and an umbrella this morning. Um, you know, people are getting back out and about. They're getting back into uh, the... the Shows heading back in. What do we just had? Uh, um, the WWE. We just had wrestling Monday night. Monday night Raw. Yeah, and uh, packed house. Uh, but it was kind of interesting because it was a packed house over at the uh, the Rosemont Arena, or should I say, the Allstate Arena. And Rosemont, which I find kind of interesting is giving money back to Allstate, basically rebating them for a year of no-shows. Uh, yeah, that is interesting, uh, unless they had it in their like, contract, because, I mean, doing that during that year of no-shows, it, it was still called the Allstate Arena, right? It still says Allstate on the side of the building <laughs> yeah, so when they you took drive it down past. And said everyone now referred to it as the Rosemont Arena. Right. No, it's still the Allstate. I mean, are the Sox giving, you know, guaranteed rate rate? Company, uh, are they giving them a, a discount on the shortened baseball season? Hmm. Oh, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what those things or look like. the games like. they didn't play during the pandemic? Yeah, it's... Rosebud needs to do a better job of negotiating. Why didn't you just give them an extra year instead of having them give the money back? Literally rebating them about $1.7 million, which is what they say the naming rights for the Rosebud Arena are worth uh, every year. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're giving it back to them for... A lost year. Maybe it's they acknowledge there were two lost years in there, and we're only going to rebate you for one of them. How's that? You share some of the pain, we share some of the pain. We'll call it even. So a lot of uh, advertisers, even inside the uh, uh, the arena as well. Um, that one, I guess I could I could understand if if you are, you know, they've got like uh, concessions and advertisers, mm-hmm. they have Vienna beef sign in there. But if you literally had no shows. Well, what was my return on my investment for that? You know, right. I, mean, I, can get, I can get nothing out of that. And that's the thing. I think as an advertiser, you wouldn't, you probably pay for the event. You're not going to pay for just sitting there when there's no one in the stadium. When the lights are out. So that makes sense. Good. But the Allstate, it's not like you're paying for the naming rights just when there's something going on. It's still the it's same name all there. the time. Right. But they had a contract, and I guess there, it yeah. was a part of their terms of their contract. And maybe because the fact that Allstate kept sending in the check every month. <laughs> they probably coming. should have maybe stopped, and that's why it's <laughs> called a rebate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's interesting because the insurance companies, as you might recall, they, they did give They gave everyone, money back. Yeah, they gave customers a rebate. I mean... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing like $1.7 million, and it was probably literally pennies when you think about it, but at least that was their philosophy during the the, uh, lockdown. The flip side of that is Lollapalooza, which generates money hand over fist. People seem to be extremely excited with it, and, well, the 2022 version is coming, uh, but we are finding out about just uh, about the economic impact of last year's Lollapalooza, which was record-setting. Uh, the biggest year ever for Lollapalooza, uh, and according to a, a, a research firm, say that it generated about $305 million in revenue in the city of Chicago. That's a pretty big event. Yeah, 
And I mean, people are raring to get back even more. And I, I don't know how much Lollapalooza costs because I've never been. Not three hundred million. I don't believe I would ever um, go. But the tickets are pretty pricey, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm assuming. Every year they get higher and higher, right? They don't go down. So that's <laughs> obviously why they made more, and and this year they'll probably make even more. Well, also just more people, uh, you know, that, that folks want to go. They're they're itching to get out and about. We've seen that in every metric out there, from the price of airline tickets to good luck finding a hotel to the lines at Disneyland or whatever. People are are out and about, and this year's Lala uh, will probably be bigger than ever. We're actually going to be talking to uh, our friend Lauren about Lala a little bit later on the show about the lineup itself. A very eclectic this year. That might be an understatement of biblical proportions. Uh, a li- literally something for everyone at Lala. And uh, you know, one of the things I-, I take from this, though, and not to poo-poo the, um, the revenue generated. There's no doubt that Lollapalooza brings money into the city. But it strikes me that it's kind of like when they talk about like a Super Bowl. You know, the Super Bowl generated this much money. If you've ever looked at how they calculate that, they're extremely optimistic. Because part of the calculation is assuming nobody would have done any economic activity during that time if the, if the event wasn't going on. No one would have rented a hotel. No one would have gotten a rental car. Oh, they, started at like they, zero, they start from the zero, assuming yeah. every yeah. single person. And so you've got to take a little bit of the great assault. I mean, I understand why it's in their best interest to say, look at all the money. But you're assuming that the hotels would have been 100% empty. You're assuming no one would have gone to a restaurant. No, we got activity going on all the time, you know, in Chicago. Well, I guess you could assume that. Last year and the year before only. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, you know right. what I mean? As yeah. To, yeah. Then the bar, but then they didn't even have it, The right? We didn't the even. The 2020 20... version didn't happen, didn't happen right? Right. 2021. No, no, no. no. Yeah, 21. Yeah, we're at 22. Happened. Correct. You're confusing me now. What year is it? 2022? Dear God. It's almost April. I thought it was 2017. Oh, my gosh. I'm one year out of college. Everything's cool. Sometimes when you say the year, it's just like when you say it three times, it seems unbelievable. Beetlejuice shows up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it were that year. You know, speaking of economic impact, though, we are a step closer to real live casinos in Chicago. And apparently we're down to a... to three locations, and I just want to tell them, I really think, looking forward, the best option is probably the one at Soldier Field, because there's probably not going to be football there. We have got we might as well use the area for something. I, I can't imagine them putting a casino at Soldier Field, yeah. which is a memorial. That's, that would be... That's I, certainly one of the one know. of the finalists, so... Uh, well, we, what if they give some of the, uh, you know, the house gives a cut to the VA or something? Sure. I don't know. I, that, that could possibly be a way to do it. So the, the three spots we're down to are the, uh, the Tribune, the big Tribune, oh, I say old, uh, publishing plant. Freedom Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is a potential, if you will. That is a, one of the fun that Bally's is behind that. Hard Rock is onto that one central site. Um, I think McCormick Place, um, I think right now it's basically like rail yards. You know, yeah. it's, it's like a lot of Nothing. empty space. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a lot there, without a doubt. Um, and then the, uh, 
what they call it, Rivers? Rivers 78, Casino, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that would be over on the south side. But I, I like the locations. They're kind of spread out enough. Well, the, the only one of them's going to win. They're not going to all three. It's like a Highlander. There could be only one. I, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean, I like, I think each of those locations is great. I, I probably, my least favorite is the Tribune publishing, but yeah. the other ones can use something, you know, that area. They mm. could, they could do a lot for that. Remember We've heard when, talk a lot about those two locations. Do you remember when talk of a casino meant, are you going to be bringing crime and, and ne'er do wells? And, uh, uh you, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, now and it's, now you're going to be like, bringing oh billions. Oh my God, can we get a casino in our backyard, yeah. please? I mean, you talk about Lollapalooza, that one time event with 300 million, then you talk about a casino with billions, billions. of dollars. Billions of dollars. Absolutely. Uh, and, and now that we've got, you know, uh, sports betting, uh, th- via an app on your phone, I mean, you know the, the the barriers are down for God's sakes. The idea of a casino uh, and people kind of you know being on, what you know moral stance against gambling. I we have casinos. You can go to casinos, and people like going to casinos. They go to displays. They go, go to Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, you gotta, they go out to the you know western suburbs. I mean Aurora. So I think it. I I almost feel like Chicago waits and sees the. Let's see how it pans out, and then if it's everything's okay, they're like, all right, now we can get one. You're the last one yeah. to the party, so to speak. As a parent, I was kind of like that, so I don't mind that. Theory. I, I got to tell you, I'm not a huge fan of like non-Vegas casinos because every time I go, like to some of the the, the tribal casinos, like the rules are all different. Like I play blackjack, and they're and they're like, well, this is blackjack, but we have all these different rules. I'm like, well, I don't want to play those rules. Those, I know yeah, how to play those blackjack. are the tribal ones. Those I don't aren't like normally. I don't, I want to. I want to. You know. I. I. am counting cards for God's sakes. Like you what? guys have changed it, everything. Is it a different number of cards? What's What's different? No, it's about like black the dealer yet. hits on a different thing or doesn't hit, and you have to put money down ahead of time before you get your cards. And I'm like, no. Mm. So I'm like, I, I'm not a not a big fan of that. I don't think that's a, a good idea. So the three casinos coming down. Uh, Dave on the north side. Where you want to put a casino? I think this is an idea whose time has come. The Thompson Center. Mm. That was talked about years ago. Uh, Nowhere to park. Space Age building with an L station right there. Yeah. Yeah. And why don't they contact Mr. and Mrs. Well, just George Lucas. She's an African-American doctor in Hyde Park. To assuage his pain, ameliorate our lot for not letting him put it on the east side of Lakeshore Drive. Come in and do something with it, like how about a rocket ship elevator that goes up to the top? Oh, yeah. And, you know, put a little dry ice in the bottom, you push the button, and you get some, some smoke coming. The steam, either there or at the south end of the loop. Hasn't anybody noticed there's a classic 30s Art Deco building with an expressway that runs right through it, east and west? <laughs> the old post office. Yeah. Dancing on the roof under the stars. Put in some, uh, you know, cyclone fence, netting, and tennis. <laughs> Keep All kinds from- of hotels, venues. A little bit of something for everybody, from Motel 6 to the Ritz-Carlton. And there are two rapid transit stations within a couple of blocks. Yeah. You've got it all figured out, Dave. I got to tell you, you know, they need to ask Dave where to put these things. He's on top of it. Is there any tech that you miss? I mean, I, I we all have a drawer, don't we, of old phones and 
things we used to use, just some drawer in a corner somewhere. And it is chock full of extension cords, uh, power cords you don't know what they go to, uh, things that were a treasure when you bought them. And you now go, the hell was that? We bring it up because, um, and, and I love it, I saw the tweet of someone selling a BlackBerry. A BlackBerry. Remember the BlackBerry? Like, yeah. you know, hanging out. They're selling it for $15, first off. And on the thing, it said, we're sure, circa 1980s, question mark, vintage phone with charger, 15 bucks. <laughs> okay, I just want to point out, the BlackBerry is not from the 80s. Okay? It was you made in 1999. Today. You know, it was 2000s, and they, they, it was still working up until recently. They finally shut the Blackberries off. January uh, yeah. of this year. So, yeah, screw you, by the way, people, for thinking that the darn Blackberries are from the 80s. Um, but do you remember your first cell phone? I mean, I guess you could look at a BlackBerry today. A kid would look at it today and go, gee, that must be from the olden days. It's from the 1900s. Well, I feel like that phone, I, I feel like I had that kind of phone. It wasn't a BlackBerry, though, but it was that mm. sort of phone, that shape. Mm -hmm. You just talked into it. I miss my Razor. My hot razor. razor. I oh, remember those. Those were my popular. flip phone. Okay. That, that to me is still the best phone. I wish those would come back. The razor. So I remember I did not own it, but when I was a baby DJ, we had a phone that we used for um, you know, we would go out and about with the radio station. And it was it was like luggage. Oh, I, I, I used phone. I used that to report on the street. It had it had a shoulder strap to it. Mm -hmm. There was an antenna. Yep. I didn't look like I was making a phone call. I looked like I was calling in an airstrike when I was using <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, it was. I mean, it was this monstrosity. It was like holding a brick. It hurt hurt your shoulder after yeah. a while. You could only carry it so far. We usually just left it in the van. Uh, but it was always cool. Like I'm making a phone call. Yeah, imagine being on, on the streets of the Loop, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon, I would be calling in at the station. People would literally stop oh, stare and at stand it. around me like, like what are you doing? Wow. Yeah, you it was like being a broadcast right in the middle of the Loop. You mentioned the cost there, Bruce. Do you, how, do you know how much it was like per minute to make a cell phone? It, it was oh, unreal. Yeah. We were told to keep things short. Oh, oh my goodness. It was dollars per minute, not cents. God. And I, I mean, it was nuts. Oh, and I, yeah, be, be careful ever making those calls. And then, and then don't even get me started on long distance. You kids today oh, don't even understand what that is. I thought nights and weekends were oppressive when I was in middle <laughs> school. It's like, oh yeah, after 7 p.m., all your texts and calls are free. So the first phone I ever bought for myself, my own, I had a, a brick phone, the Motorola brick oh motorola that was the, the the one with the big antenna kind of a tan color you know i think that was, those were the only cell phones right were motorola first of all i think well i here I, here's what no i remember Apple. it was the most expensive thing i owned it was my prized possession you know i, I mean i didn't own anything that was more expensive my car didn't i don't think cost what that damn phone cost <laughs> you know I could. I had my junker car for like a thousand bucks. I think that phone cost more than that. Wait, remember and the, phone the, bill. the cars, oh. the the phones and the cars. Yeah, yeah. Built into the Built uh, in. into, yeah. the, into the into the. I mean, they sold cars with those. Instead of a cup holder, you had a phone oh right there in the God, middle. Oh, waste so of a cup holder. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Where am I going to put my that big gulp? That went the the way of the ashtray in cars.
I am I'm early adopter, so I buy all new tech, and then it ends up in that damn drawer that I have full of things that I don't use anymore. I got to tell you something I miss, and I was I was an early adopter only because I know this because I was grandfathered in. Do you remember TiVo? Oh yeah. Oh my so god. So I had a TiVo box. It was about the size of a VCR, like I guess about that size, and it was you could record television. Oh right! What a novelty! And then you could you could fast forward through the commercials, and you didn't have to be there. It basically was on demand before there was on demand. You just recorded it, and then you could watch what you wanted when you wanted. I mean, I I thought it was better than sliced bread when that thing. Came, I was like, put me down. I'm getting me a TiVo, and then they would start. I, I did like this: pay one price and have it forever. And I remember they would, you know, they would complain all the time. You know, we're going to have to go to a monthly thing. And I go, well, I signed up for the uh, the pay one price forever. Son of a bitch, you remember that? Okay, well, yeah. you got the forever TiVo. I got the forever TiVo, the best kind of. TiVo. They were ticked off about. I'm sure that's why they ended up, I think, going belly up, and you don't see it around anymore uh, because people like me were screwing them. Because I was like, no, I, I paid once. I ain't ever paying for this thing and again. Plus, once that on-demand came in, once streaming you came didn't, in, you didn't need it. You don't record yeah. anything. You just it's just sitting there waiting for you. But still miss my TiVo. It's it you know was. What? Nice. I, I often think, why do we still need remotes? Why isn't everything voice activated? Well, I'm talking. Gonna talk I into? have 15 remotes. I talk into my remote. Yeah, I just want to talk to the TV. Oh, okay. As a matter of fact, I just want to look at the TV. Need a friend? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, please put on Sex in the City. I'm very lonely right now. Well, you right can now. talk to your phone. Your, I mean, Hello, your TV. phone is listening. Siri. <laughs> yeah, see, Siri's awake. Yeah, I, I just want to say hello. I just want to walk by and have the TV just know what I want. That, now, that's coming. See, this is this is. Then we get Skynet, and then they're sending Arnold Schwarzenegger oh. back from the future. And you just you don't want it. You don't want it. Everybody thinks they want it. You don't want it. But this comes into the kind of the everything that's old is cool again. And and if you can believe it, if you can believe it, teens today are looking for the Blackberries, the flip oh, yeah. phones. They retro. Want, it's they so want retro. the old school. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I'm sitting on a gold mine in that drawer. Are you kidding me? I'll tell you what. I will sell you my Motorola flip phone for three times what I paid for it in 2002. Hello, Moto. Hello, Moto. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's a good idea because then people, like, they, they make it look all 2000s. People are getting nostalgic for 2003. It wasn't that. I was there in 2003. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that good. I'm yeah. just going to tell you right now. It wasn't that exciting. Not my favorite year of all no. time. No, 03, you can have it back. <laughs> Still time for our criminal of the day. i got to give a shout-out to Kristen Wiley of Vero Beach, Florida, who is probably regretting teaching her child to never lie. Allegedly, Kristen was out in a boot at 2 in the morning when she sped past some Indian River Sheriff deputies on the side of the road, already engaged in a traffic stop. Well, due to the rate of speed, the sudden slamming on the brakes, and the fact she nearly hit the squad car parked on the shoulder, the deputies took off in pursuit. Miss Wiley was pulled over, and according to police, appeared impaired and was unable to provide her license. The deputy asked Wiley if she'd been drinking, and she replied, No! At which point, a voice from the back seat piped up. It was her nine-year-old son who calmly said, Mom, you can't lie to the police. You did drink. (laughs) Your birthday present just went out the window, kid. (laughs) While Mom continued to profess her innocence, the the child, who cannot tell a lie, spilled the beans.
means that she had been at a party, drank vodka, was speeding, almost hit the deputy's car, and then slammed the brakes on hard, scaring the unrestrained boy in the back seat. The kid stopped just short of telling the police uh, that she also cheats on her taxes. Hey, stitches get stitches, kid! <laughs> After initially uh, refusing a breathalyzer, Miss Wiley eventually complied and was found to be three times over the legal limit. In addition to a DUI count, Wiley was charged with child abuse for allegedly driving drunk with her son in the car. She was also charged with resisting police for allegedly snatching her hands away when a cop sought to handcuff her. So for giving birth to and raising the witness for the prosecution, you, Kristen Wiley, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal of the day. All suspects described above should be considered innocent until found guilty in a court of law, no matter how crazy they are. Is the Russian war machine starting to slow down? And how does this change the tide of the conflict? Joining us with an update on the crisis in Ukraine is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. Aaron, good morning. Uh, good morning to you. The uh, the Pentagon now assesses that the, the Russian military force has been degraded in Ukraine by about 10 percent. So, it, it you know, mm-hmm. they still have 90 percent capacity. It's not like a, a complete downgrade. But it, it is, I think, um, an acknowledgement that the Russians are, are losing both manpower and equipment as this invasion now is, a, what, about a month in? Yeah. And so we're hearing about Belarus at this point. Uh, are they about to go help their Russian neighbors? Ooh. Well, uh, it, it, so far, I don't, I don't think so. It, it's possible they say they're going to defend themselves on their own territory. But, you know, suspicions are that the, the Belarusians could, could enter the fray at Putin's behest, given that Putin controls the president there. Um, there's so far, though, the, the uh, defense officials say there's no evidence that any foreign fighters have entered into Ukraine. And we know that, that Russia reached out to Syria. He reached out to the Chinese. Uh, we think there's probably some, you know, rogue groups that, sure. uh, you know, kind of mercenaries. Paramilitary type people, yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, uh, by the way, the uh, that, that Belarusian uh, president, Lukashenko, Yep, he, he's a piece of work. I, I just watched a, an interview he did recently um, he's way past where the buses run. That guy is genuinely dangerous. If you know, I had to go look exactly where Belarus was to keep an eye on how nutty this guy is. Well, I mean, he's he's a Putin puppet, effectively. So you know, it it it's sort of uh, you, you have to, I think, take that into consideration when listening to to any pronouncements that that Belarus might might make. Um, but it 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 does again, raise questions about how far Putin's willing to go. Is, to, you know, is he going to enlist his kind of proxy states into this campaign in Ukraine that, that doesn't appear to be going his way? Now, that's not to say that you know, this is over for him, because as we've seen, he can always intensify his, uh, his bombardment of Ukrainian cities. And there was another strike in Kiev this morning that hit some residential structures, uh, injured a number of people. The... Um, uh, and 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 he's still you know bombarding from uh, you know from the sea, uh, but there's concern about resupply. In fact, the, the the Russians do seem to to have some logistical problems. The troops are lacking food. They're lacking certain equipment. And and, and word is that a number of them have frostbite because they are not properly equipped for the cold. Oof. Which to me is like history repeating itself, right? Because that's what bogged down the Germans. The Germans, I guess, uh, when, when Hitler invaded. 
the Soviet Union. Yeah, they, what do they say? Uh, history doesn't always uh, repeat, but it rhymes. My goodness, it sounds like it. We're talking to ABC News' Aaron Katursky, by the way, on some of the, the new information coming out in the battle for Ukraine. How concerned are is the Pentagon and NATO members that... Um, Putin's not going to stop with Ukraine. I mean, is there a genuine concern? I, I know that Putin threatened Poland again the other day. Yeah, and, uh, and Poland may uh, may well expel Russian diplomats. I think, you know, the, the, there's two two sides, and, and I think there's that, that are cause for concern. One is that the, I'm not sure the U.S. expected this. I'm not sure the world expected this to go on as long as it did. And, and, and I think, um, you know, many were expecting a quick quick end to this uh, and Putin's military might and all that, that hasn't worked out, right? So they, mm-hmm. on one hand, uh, the we're not sure that, that Putin at this stage even has the, the manpower to hold a major Ukrainian city, let alone threaten his neighbors. But on the other hand, um, there, there is a concern that the, the more NATO stands united against him, the, the more that, um, you know, the, the allies kind of press on Russia, you know, the, the, there I think is a fear that he would lash out, and, and you know, as we see, it doesn't take much. You fire a cruise missile from afar, and depending on where that strikes, but but that could draw NATO in, and, and that has to weigh on Putin's mind. Mm. You know, the problems we've been talking about for Russia, notwithstanding, I mean, hasn't Russia been kind of holding back when it comes to its military might? Oh. I don't know that they, they're holding back. I mean, they, they, they've committed, what, 150,000 troops to this effort. Uh, it seems as if they've taken some significant casualties and they are having some, some trouble with, uh, with supply and logistics. Um, I suppose if he wanted to bring mil- more military might to bear, he could. But so far, if this was supposed to be a show of, of Russian might, it, it doesn't seem to have been going very well so i'm not sure how much more he wants to to add um and he certainly showed a lot of different kinds of of uh, of hardware right he's fired cruise missiles he's fired hypersonic missile missiles which are um difficult to to detect and stop he's um by by some accounts he's used uh weapons that are banned uh in the international community and and what amount to war crimes there's concern about chemical weapons it, you know so he's got a lot of different assets that he's brought to bear but the ukrainians are still hanging in there we're talking to abc news's aaron katursky uh and, and i know you know you 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 saw this firsthand i mean just a couple of weeks ago we were talking to you in ukraine and here's the thing that that maybe i don't fully understand and and you can help me is the russian military not as powerful as we thought they were or not as powerful as they think they are or are the ukrainian people just really a lot better than we thought they were like are, are both of those things true well I, I i it's definitely true that the the ukrainians are 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 doing better than perhaps expected but they have you know they're actually fighting for something right that they, mm. they are fighting to keep russia out and so they have you know the the will you know the the any of the the I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but any of the, you know, what you need in your heart and your soul to, to actually commit to this, you know, is on the is on the Ukrainian side. Uh, I'm not sure the Russian conscripts signed up for this. And, and, in, wow. and you know, do, do, do they share Putin's, you know, whatever his vision is of of of, of Russian imperialism or whatever? Um you know, we don't really we don't really know. People uh, fighting for their homeland tend to fight a hell of a lot harder. 
I think so. I think that's probably true. Uh, you know, rather than some expansionist type view, the the other, you know, the other thing is that you know, is Russia's military not as good as we think? I mean, I I don't know. The same was sort of said of the American military mm. after Iraq, right? And I, I don't know that you want to doubt Russia's capabilities okay. uh, any more than you'd want to doubt the American military's capabilities. Um, but but here, as you say, the you know the, the the will to fight belongs to the other side. And the bottom line here, Aaron, no, nothing in sight that says this is going to end anytime soon. You know, sadly, no, uh, because it's it's reached what some defense analysts say is just a bloody stalemate. You know, mm-hmm. because this could go on. You know, you could have street to street fighting in some cities, troops not really going anywhere, and and you know, in ter- in terms of the Russians, um, and, and but bombardment you know, on a daily basis. And, and that's, you know, it's no way to live, but um, there's also no serious end in, in sight. Aaron, really appreciate your uh, your insight into this. And uh, thank you so much. I'm sadly will continue to be talking to you about Ukraine yeah. in the future. I have a feeling about that. He's ABC <laughs> News' Aaron Katursky. Appreciate that. How tone deaf can you get in this day and age? Apparently, a lot. Bloomberg and its editors. Somebody came up with the idea. This is getting bandied around the office. Okay, uh, times are tough. Gas uh, prices are going up. Uh, you know, people are having, uh, struggling to make ends meet. Maybe mm-hmm. we need to offer some some tips, some ideas on how you can make it through uh, a bit of an economic uh, difficult time. Their version of reality, and I would argue your version of reality don't appear to be in the same world. Like, oh, to be a Bloomberg editor, right? Because some of their suggestions are fantastic. They might be a little bit on the extreme side, but I don't really have a problem with these suggestions. I don't know what all the hoopla is about. How about, uh, well, first off, they say, you know, it's for people who make less than $300,000 a year. Okay, so okay. let's go with everyone. Now, that's like yeah, 90%. I, I was yeah. going to say, so this is if you make less than three hundred grand, they wanted to, to help you out. Uh, you know, uh, consider public transportation. It's time to sell your car, right? Okay, uh, but well, I, I, see, that's you should be considering public transportation always. Always drive less, right? Take, but if you can, if it's available, that's the problem. Meat is very expensive, mm-hmm. so include vegetables like lentils or beans. Beans, you're right. Instead of meat. Um, you know my dad, Lee, the one who looks like he's fifty. Yes. Yeah, he eats beans every day instead of Sweet. meat. Mm, yes. Is he substituted yeah. out. Yep. Eats fish, yeah. He substituted. He's one of those people who claims that beans. So again, if you're really hard up and you can't afford the meat, which I guess some people are, some people can't afford steak, that's for sure. But it's a good substitute. Beans are always a great substitute in terms of protein. Try lentils instead. That's a, isn't that they do that like World War Two yeah. or something? Isn't that times are of? tough? Inflation's at ten percent. Yeah. But this last one, this will be the one because you know I'm a pet owner. Okay. And What's she that? suggests perhaps letting your pet go instead of paying, you know, $10,000 for chemo. What do you mean let them go? You let them die, you know, put them down. Not put them down, but just let them die a peaceful death. Oof. <laughs> I, 
Okay, let me ask you, Bruce. If you owned a pet and it was going to be $10,000 for chemo, would you pay it? You don't even want to get me started on what I've done with for pets. I love my Lucky. Love him, love him, love him. I'd be hard-pressed to spend $10,000 on chemo. That might work. Because I, you would not believe how many times people tell me their bills. I just oh, had, yeah. a, I just had a family member. Eight thousand yeah. dollars and then you he, don't have pet insurance and then he screwed. died anyway I, I, so the point is i would spend 10 million dollars on my kid okay but it's you, a you, you haven't seen how some people treat their pets i know i, I get it and if you want to spend ten thousand twenty whatever it is on your pet i get it it's tough i i had a cat once and the the doctor says your your cat needs a liver transplant and I said, pull the plug right well, now. Why didn't you pull the stop? Plug. Uh, what are you the talking drinking about? drinking got out of control. I don't. What the that. hell do you mean? You don't do liver, liver tra- What are you talking about? Yeah. No, we're not doing that. No. How much is it going to be? You know, it's thousands of dollars. A liver transplant? they fluffies down at the pound for like 10 bucks. Good God. They're do churning they, fluffies wait, out. Do they put them on a donor list? Well, I don't get it. What, what? A liver from another cat? What? It's crazy. It's the, and that's the thing. I, but again, because I am a pet owner now, and I get it. And my daughter would probably scream and cry and and put a, try to put up her own money. But at some point, no, I have to say to myself, it's a pet. And what kind of a quality of life does that pet going to have too? And pet experts will say the same thing. If it if it starts to like affect your life in the negative with in terms of money and you know, you've got to now take care of this sick pet for who knows how long. I mean, chemo? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. So, I, yeah, I'm I'm not so disagreeing with these uh, these suggestions. Let your pet die. Sell your car. Eat lentils instead okay, of beans. Okay, when you put it that you way, know, it sounds bad. That's how you're going to do it. Jay in Michigan, what do you think about this uh, this editorial? Well, the folks at Bloomberg just trying to just trying to help you through fight inflation. Good morning, lovely folks over there at WLS. <laughs> I, I would say that the suggestions, like Judy and you said, are great suggestions. I think where they failed miserably is the tone that was so uh, arrogant and just just so sick with his disdain for people that make less than $300,000 that you could cut it with a silver-plated knife. And I, it's really the tone. And they really, yeah. since the beginning of this pandemic, we've been talked to like we are small children. And these are the... The professors lecturing us on how we should live, and it's uh, it's kind of getting a little old. And I think all the people are, you know, maybe whoever brought you guys the article decided, like, wow, this is just another example of people being completely, like you said, tone deaf to the situation, the reality that we all face ourselves. Yeah. Nothing wrong with this yeah. suggestion. It's how you. My wife said to me many times when I come in hot like an Irishman, <laughs> it's not the words that I say, it's how I deliver them. Yeah. Deliver them right, <laughs> and they will be received correctly. Deliver them like an ass, and they will be received like an ass. Yeah. And that's just kind of where I'm coming from this morning. But I, I a love bit you condescending. Guys. Yeah. Exactly, and trust me, I love to be condescending. I can lay it on. <laughs> oh wait, you are an Irishman. Yes, ma'am. You guys have a lovely day. Thank you I too. Your time effort, you guys. Thank you, Jay. And that is it. true. It's how it's said, and it's you know. And did it even need to be? You know, like your did pet you die. feel the need to say it? We all know we should take take public transportation. Take the bus, sell your yeah. car, we, and eat lentils. Yeah. We all know we should. Yeah, probably eat more beans. Yeah, life's too short for that crap. <laughs> Disney is finding itself in the crosshairs, wading into a 
political hot button issue all over um, a new Florida law. Um, it's called the Don't Say Gay Bill. It's actually called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Um, and Disney is being forced, I think, in in some ways to try and pick a side, either forced from employees and customers on one side to maybe politicians and some other customers on another side. Uh, Disney doesn't call them customers, guests. Uh, so, you know, this this gets into a whole thing about kind of the role of corporations and their political stance on things. Do you know what I mean? And And is that really that important? Well, why and why do they have to do it? Why well, stay out of it? You're Disney. Have a magical day. I don't, you know. And they were forced to comment on it because apparently Disney, after the fact, after the uh, legislation came up and and they voted on it, was when Disney then made a statement on it instead of before. That's what the employees are upset about. And then why even come out at all and say anything? You're Disney. You're a company. You're a company that says have a magical day just go about your business now they do of course um donate quite a bit of money to politicians oh i'm sure they do yeah so there's a problem right there i just i you know this is a hard one just because i don't really care i don't want disney to get involved in this stuff i just want disney to be disney you, you know, they don't call it the happiest place on earth for nothing. If you, you know go, people, the happiest place on earth. If you know people that live there, uh, work there, excuse me. No, you were right well the first time. <laughs> um, they're, they are decidedly happy and gay. There are a lot uh, in there. And so Disney's workforce, I would say, from my own unofficial uh, 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 tally, is disproportionately gay. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness! One of my fa- favorite stories is uh, my one of my friends. His boyfriend was a Disney cast member, and we went to Disneyland once. And I didn't. He wouldn't tell me what what cast member he was. So I'm thinking, oh my god, is he wearing the Mickey outfit or something? I don't know. Could be anybody. Could be any cast mm-hmm. member, right? And uh, we're watching the Electric Parade back in the day. It's coming on down, and here comes. The, the float with Prince Charming on it. And there he is, Ugh, waving. A, and Who wouldn't want to be Prince Charming? And my girlfriend is laughing at the time, hysterically. And I go, <laughs> what's so funny? And she says, you don't get it, do you? I go, get what? She goes, Prince Charming's gay. How do you not get this? She goes, it confirms everything I've always believed. Prince, Char- I've just had lunch with Prince Charming. Prince Charming is gay. Of course he is. So Disney is facing an internal... Um, an internal fight from a lot of its employees kind of trying to force the company to take a position. But again, the company outward facing has to say, well, we're for everybody. You know, we, we want, we want everyone to come to Disney parks. We want everyone to enjoy the teacup ride, regardless of your sexual proclivity or your political affiliation. But it seems more and more companies are being pushed and or forced to like pick a side of the fence. Well, but because they're putting their foot in it, you know, they're not, it's, uh, that's my feeling. I think if Disney just stayed out of this, none of this would have happened. I don't think the employees would have said, Hey, you should take a stand on this, this because it's happening. Now, if it was something that was happening in their company, that would be different. Right. But this is, yeah, because there's no, there's no uh, allegation that Disney is like, a bad place to work for like if you're gonna, LGBTQ yeah, no. plus or anything like that. Well, uh. and if 
you know, if your theory is correct, then they're very welcoming, right? Very welcoming. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I don't understand why Disney even had to get involved, except that it, it donates to campaigns and gets involved right there. And, but and most the big fact companies they, do. And yeah. donate, yeah, by the way, to I both guess. sides because guess, they hedge their Disney, bets. To me, Disney already owns the world, rules the world. Why yeah. does Disney, I mean, they need Disney. I mean, I don't Florida. go to I don't go to Disney or I don't watch Disney stuff because of I like the company or anything. I just like it's just on. <laughs> right. I'm not thinking about well, what did Michael Eisner? Who did he donate to back right. in like 1988 for you, this and that? You know, but if you knew that Disney um, discriminated against the gay community, you know, you might think differently. You might I, not I might watch think, their shows. Yeah, good point. I mean, I, people, I mean, people, that's how people live. People do do that. And at the same time, what else are they supposed to do? You know, if a, if a guy is it's just damned like... damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, because it's just like, well, I'm going to go... I really don't like the way Disney's doing this, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to support their stuff. But, man, now I can't go watch that new Avengers movie. Now I can't go see the new Star well, Wars movie. I just movie. don't understand how people get paralyzed by things like this. Because I'm, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I, I just couldn't care less one way or the other. And whatever Disney decides and however Disney acts is not going to change the way that I... What movies I go see or if I want to go to a, a Disney park. Because I realized a long time ago that no matter what company's out there, from Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby to uh, Disney and Starbucks, there is somebody in that company... Who you wouldn't agree with. You might not agree with their politics. You might not agree with them personally. So guess what? Who cares? Who cares one way or the other? If you're just looking to be offended, you can look at Disney and get offended by it on both sides of it. I just don't look at Disney to take my cues on Florida legislation. It's not where I go for it. Um, more and more people, though, are getting pretty sick of... Uh, the Russian influence and things, right? And pulling Russian products off of shelves. I still struggle with what the hell is Russian these days. Well, yeah, I, I was asking myself the other day, do I eat any Russian food? Ru- okay, yeah. What is besides a white Russian? <laughs> Doesn't count. <laughs> Which is even invi- I mean, it's not even Russian. Contains vodka, no Russian. So, no, it's just called that. So, or a Moscow mule. Yeah. Contains no Moscow. Other than yeah. that, I don't know that I would. Now, it's interesting. Have you ever gone down that aisle at any supermarket? The international the aisle? The international Oh, I thought there was a yeah. Russian aisle. I was going to no, say, I don't think it was a Russian there, aisle. It's so, you can't, I can't read anything on any box or package. It's all in the language I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. And I stop and look sometimes. And no, I never buy anything in that aisle. Yeah, it looks a little crazy. Yeah, and that's the aisle I'm assuming where you would see the Russian stuff. Anne's Bakery is a, a staple in uh, Ukrainian village, and uh, they actually have a sign-up. They say, no longer supply Russian-made products. Uh, again, s- some of them are the obvious. You mentioned vodka, and I and we realize that most of the vodka here in the United States, even like the Smirnoffs, and the, they're not remotely Russian. They just want you to think they're Russian. Um, but they, how about this? They Anne's took off the shelf, and other, other uh, places there, vodka, champagne, and mayonnaise. Where the hell we get mayonnaise? We're importing mayonnaise from Russia? I'm terrified to find out what Russian mayonnaise is like. <laughs> really? Maybe it's just an ingredient. They come in from it. a slow boat? I don't want to, I don't want my mayonnaise coming from Russia. You gotta draw the line somewhere for God's yeah. sake. I, I mean, I so draw. those two things, so random, right? Yes. Champagne and mayonnaise. Mayo. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I always think, when I think of a Russian product, like at least on the, I think, 
Cav- isn't caviar yeah, Russian? Caviar, right. Yeah. Oh, and you're right. I do think of uh, sardines, maybe. Okay. okay um, like there's some fish yeah, items. Or, and some like ch- more treats. I think more because. You mean it, like sweets? Sweets, right. You know, uh, actually bakery goods. So that is interesting. But who okay. knows? It's it's European at this point, right? Or, you know, Eastern European. Right. It's tough I mean, to tell the difference. Yeah. Read the label first. Before you boycott something that sounds Russian, uh, you should. Yeah, you should, absolutely. Because it more than likely is made here. Yeah. there's a, It's made in New Jersey. It's not made anywhere near Russia, probably. Right. If you're not going to jump on a plane, if you've looked at airline tickets, good grief. They have... Uh, it's not an exaggeration. As a guy who flies practically every week, um, to say that some of the some of the flights have tripled. Wow, tripled well, it in is price. Spring break tripled. Oh yeah. I'll give you an example. Uh I have to fly to Phoenix for a charity event. I've flown for as little as ninety nine bucks during the pando. I understand those days are over, but a normal uh, round trip flight to Phoenix. Two fifty, maybe three hundred. Nothing less than nine hundred dollars right now. Nothing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, and I don't think that's a big spring break uh, place to go. Maybe the, everyone's like, going to watch the uh, grief, the baseball. Nine hundred dollars. Get that first class. I would emphasize it's a middle seat, row twenty eight. Oh, terrific. Um, so maybe, yeah, like I'm going to stop in Des Moines or some <laughs> crap. Um, but maybe you're looking and. Listen, the idea of two, four, six airline tickets is just come on, it's out of the out of the question. Where are some things you can do? Where are some places you can go? Basically on a tank of gas. No walk in the park for a lot of people these days, but certainly not uh, the idea of an airline ticket. So I love road trips. I don't go on road trips because I can't afford an airline ticket. I go on road trips because I love road trips. You know what I mean? There's, it's not like you have to do it. Oh, we can't afford to go somewhere fly because there are so many great places you can go just by driving. Just a, a couple hours. hours in any direction. Absolutely. I mean, don't drive into the lake that direction, yeah. other directions. Well, yeah, but come to the lake if you're coming, even if you're in the suburbs or, you know, a little bit out in the outer counties. Chicago's a great place, place to visit and has tons yeah. of stuff to do, right? Tons. But if you want to go from the city somewhere, I mean, go out to the, you know, Naperville, Woodstock. You've never been. Those, I went to Naperville two weeks great ago. Places. And is, the little awesome? downtown Naperville oh, yeah, is really kind of cool. Yep. And it's not what I thought. I don't know what I thought Naperville was going to be, but that's not what I. It, it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, it's like a little Chicago in the suburbs, and it's, it's got some cool shops. Oh, and it's yeah, got by bars, way, it's got high end shops. It's got an Apple Store. Yeah, you know you've made it when you have an Apple Store. <laughs> There's an Apple Store in Naperville for God's sakes. And I also got to give a shout out to a Peanuts uh, Bar and Grill. And uh, yeah, it's a great awesome place, place to go for an evening for a weekend yeah. uh you know same thing with uh you know saint charles i mean there are plenty of great places very nearby but then you want to get out a little bit i've mentioned this before starved rock one of the I most go. beautiful places well, in the country i just watched the documentary about the uh the murders okay, that well, happened there there are no murders there anymore <laughs> yeah well there may was, be but yeah, there may be but, but, I mean, was, but, but it made me curious I went and like Googled, okay, where is Star Trek? Oh, and then you start seeing it and you're gorgeous. like, oh, that looks amazing. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I was just there like last year. I mean, it just, no matter what time you go, but it's fall. People love to go in the fall, but the summer is fabulous too. Now open, they have so many trails. They have a fabulous lodge right there. And then if you want to go like even a little further down to Southern Illinois, Giant City, 
our state parks in Illinois are unbelievable. Because a lot of times when people drive through Illinois, they're like, Ugh, boring, flat, nothing. <laughs> but if you just go off the beaten path a little bit, I mean, our state parks really are beautiful. I, I, I find it amazing talking to people who have lived here a long time who've never been to Springfield. And I'm like, you, you know, Springfield's a pretty, pretty cool place. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, the Lincoln eccentric stuff is amazing. The library, the 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 uh, he, where he lived, you know, they've, they've kind of uh, preserved the street, uh, a street scene straight out of a hundred something years ago, hundred fifty years ago. It, it is really, really, it's classy and well done. I don't know when I thought I was going to go to the Lincoln Library. I'm like, I don't know, this is going to be like a room, room and a half. It's oh, got some gosh, books on the wall. We love our Lincoln Absolutely in the land of like Lincoln. That. No way, nothing like that. Oh, very no. high tech, very cool, and very worth worth oh, seeing. Absolutely. Get down to Springfield. You can even take the choo choo down there if you want. That that is cool. Very yeah. cool. And you know what? If you want to cross the border. Milwaukee is like a great city. Mm. Unbelievably cool. Yeah, you really should get to Milwaukee or, you know, Lake Geneva or Lake Delavan. Or if you want to go the other way, Indiana, there's the Indiana State Dunes. Um, they're just keep going into Michigan, New Buffalo, St. Joe's, Grand Haven. These are all quaint little towns on Lake Michigan. Kenosha is also you know, uh, Kenosha a Kenosha is so place, cool, you know? right? And close, you know. And close. And on the lake. It's like a different, it's such a different vibe and a different Mm -hmm. look because it's on the lake. Hey, William, in Justice, you heard Lake Geneva. That popped your your ears up. What do you you like about that? Hey, good morning, WLS family. Good morning. Uh, Lake Geneva, there's a little place called Harbor Shores right on the lake, and it's Uh beautiful, and you can walk anywhere you want to go and have a good day. All right. Okay, let me ask you, though, is it close to Mars? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Never mind. But okay. anyway, long story short. Well, no, I meant Mars <laughs> Restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mars. Yeah, it's a very famous restaurant there. You just cracked me up there. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Harbor Shores <laughs> in Lake Geneva, the place. Yeah, it's great. And again, you can walk anywhere. All you do is drive there, park your car, have a nice day. You don't have to you know, pay for anything else. It's simple. Outstanding. Appreciate it, William. Thank you for the tip. I like that tip. Simple. I like simple, yeah, Yeah. especially if you're going to be driving like that. Here's something I thought was interesting. Um, You know, we talk about tanks of gas, and then I see those idiots in Teslas driving past me. I call them idiots because I'm jealous, who don't even slow down at gas stations. But one of the arguments always was, you can't go very far, right? You couldn't go on a vacation in an electric car. you got to stop and plug it in all the time, right? Well, Ford says it's new pick-em-up truck. Electric pickup truck, the F-150 Lightning, goes 320 miles on one charge. Okay, my car doesn't go 320 miles on a, on a tank of gas. Yeah, and what is where are most electric cars? They go how long? I, I don't know, but a 320 sounds yeah. like a... I mean, it, that's not... I not mean, bad at after all. After 300 miles of driving, you want to pull over anyway. If somebody's got to pee in that car, for God's sakes. You're going to need some Funyuns. You're going to have to stock up on drinks. And uh, these, these new ones, I saw somebody doing this. They were driving across country in an electric vehicle. And... Some of these new ones, it takes 15 to 20 minutes to charge the vehicle. Wow. So you go inside, you get yourself a coffee, you go to the bathroom, you know, whatever it is. By the time you've come out, hey, we're all charged up, ready to go another two, three hundred miles. Okay, I'm going to need one of those. 
I'm going to need never, one of those and never trucks. Stop at a and gas they station look again. fabulous. Only stop at the gas station to get the squeegee to wash the windshield. Oh, wouldn't that be a joy in and of itself? Listen, I'm a fan of the internal combustion engine, but hey, at some point, the price of gas makes you look at those electric cars and go, hey, it's not such a bad idea. Hmm. The governor of Indiana signed a bill eliminating the need for a conceal and carry permit. Is it time for Illinois to re-examine its own gun laws, or does this just create more issues with firearms coming across the border. So um, constitutional carry might be a, a terminology that uh, a lot of people use. Um, and basically what it means is in the state of Indiana that if you are legal to own a gun, as in you, you don't have a felony, you know, you're not you're not restricted from something prior, um, you can carry that gun and you can even carry it concealed without a license. That's what it means. And Indiana now joins uh, 20 other states. It's 21 states around the country. That is the law of the land. If you are a legal gun owner, and again, I mean, that's I think that's an important point to make. There are some people, uh, convicted felons, uh, people that have been adjudicated mentally ill, who cannot own firearms. Okay, great. This is not for them. If you're a legal gun owner, you can carry your weapon and you can carry it concealed. Um. Every time this happens in a state, I, I, uh, I've heard the, it's going to be a Wild West shootout in, on Main Street. Yet it's not. Right. It never, it, 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 it doesn't turn out like right. that. It's not like that because again, but legal police, gun owners are not the ones having shootouts right. in the middle of the street. But police don't like it. it yeah. Which might be surprising to some people. Now, yeah. I, I, you say police. Not all cops uh, have a problem with it. Some of the police organizations well, the police organization, Yeah, police immediately came out and said the Indiana State Police and so are here's against what, it. Here's so what I learned. Why is that? Because I, I lived in Arizona, which was a uh, concealed carry. You didn't need a license to own a firearm. You didn't need a license to carry it concealed. And so what we did is, you know, there was a bit of an education process. And I think this is important for the police as well. You have a gun. You, let's say you're pulled over. For speeding on the Dan Ryan. They never pull anybody over for speeding on the Dan Ryan, do they? Literally never do. Uh, but you can't speed on it most of the time. You get pulled over. Officer walks up. He says, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? Before you say anything, say, officer, I have a loaded weapon in the car. Right. Tell him right off the bat. Yep. Where is it? Uh, I have it in my glove box. I have it on the passenger seat. I have it... On a, in a holster on my side. You t you tell the officer where it is. A lot of times, and I've had this happen, the officer said, would you mind stepping out of the car? We, if, if it's in the car, can we have the conversation here? Absolutely. You know, So there are ways to make the police officer feel safe. But my friends that are cops would say, anybody who would tell me they have a gun when I walk up to the window is probably not a threat to me. <laughs> it's the right. ones that don't tell me right. they have a gun it's, that are a I threat. bet a lot of people wouldn't say it. I mean, I can see why police would be a little bit concerned about this. Yeah. You know, but that's that's training you learn when you go through the classes. So for, you know, mm -hmm. keep your hands visible, yeah. keep them up on the dash. Cop comes over. That's the first thing you're supposed to do. First thing you say, legal gun owner. Officer, yep. I have a loaded weapon yep. in the car. Yep. Hands on the hands yeah. on the steering wheel when you say it. Turn on the dome light. You know, I yep. mean, you, you. There are there's a responsibility that comes with that. Right, but I think you know. Again, it's not everyone is responsible that way. That's that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Now, what I don't understand is why this could be Indiana's law could be a problem for Illinois. Well, I think what you run into is, and, and this is this gets into this whole reciprocal thing, where I think most people know that whatever the gun law is in Indiana, 
literally when you're driving down the freeway, the law changes when you get to the sign that says, welcome to Illinois, you know, the Lincoln state, like the law literally changes because some states have reciprocal agreements on their gun laws and some don't. It's actually pretty confusing. Quite honestly, for a okay, legal so gun now owner. you're in Indiana, yeah. and you've got your gun. I don't know. You can keep it in your pocket, I guess, when you're driving. Yeah. And then you come into Illinois. Now you need to put that gun where? You, are you even you allowed? Have, are you even allowed to possess I, it, Nick? Um, boy, I I think you're. <laughs> this okay. is a problem. There needs yeah. to be like a locker at the border, and you have to. Put right. It in. I mean, right. I don't know. Wait, what do you do? Because with you don't come to Illinois with a gun. Right. That's what you know. So you have to know that as well, and you have to be conscientious and responsible and not say oh sorry i had the gun but i didn't I, know i know that like I, the guy at the airport that's always cracks me up oh i've broken gun laws and i've known that i've done it because like for example i've driven across country mm-hmm. and I, I drive you know out in the middle of nowhere and i and i usually have a firearm with me and i know that i cross See, into some states and i'm you like call what? yourself a responsible gun owner because i'd rather you... be judged by 12 than carried by six so I will take my chances. But you can't have it both ways. Oh, Either you're a responsible can. gun owner or yeah. you're not. Yeah, and I, I, I believe in the right to defend myself. So okay. I, I, I will carry but my that, firearm. We're talking about being a responsible gun owner. Though. Yeah. You have to write that. And this is why but that I think is the this problem is with reciprocal gun laws. So I can drive not. across 12 states and run it. into 12 different laws. And that is a problem in and of itself. I do think there well, is a problem when it comes to, I think Illinois is going to have to react in some way because some, there's a lot of people that live in Indiana that work here in Chicago. Go back and forth every and day. work in the city and they go back and forth every day. And now you're basically saying they don't have a right to defend themselves once they get over the border into Illinois. And I don't think that's very fair at all. Yeah. Well, and I think though the, the big controversy was not so much about that, it, although that would be an issue, but about more guns ending up in Chicago. And that's where I'm questioning why. Yeah, I don't think just that because necessarily you have a permit, means. Yeah, you still need to get more a, guns. You still in have to have a license to have a gun. Aren't so. most of them coming from in Indiana? Yes. A lot of the straw purchases, I guess, too, almost come all from of them. Indiana. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know that not having to have a carry permit, how that affects more yeah, guns coming I don't think in. It does. But that, that's the concern. Jim in Morris, what's your concern? Well, hey, good morning, guys. Uh, the first, let me ask, answer the first, uh, the second question first. If okay. you're driving across state and you don't have, uh, and you have a gun, let's say from Indiana, you put it in your glove box and lock it. You're okay. okay. But that—that's my first point. Yeah. Is I would hate to think. Now I'm a I'm a Second Amendment guy. I have got my concealed carry permit. I have a gun in my truck right now. Mm-hmm. But my biggest concern is safety. I cannot imagine. Having somebody have a gun put on their on their possession if they have not taken some of these people don't know how to load it mm. they have no idea what it feels like after they shoot that gun and and you've got to go through 16 hours of training including shooting a gun in order to get a concealed carry permit and I I I just hate to think what it would be like so if, you. You're in favor of those kinds of training classes. I learned a lot, and I've shot yeah. guns my entire life. So, Jim, and I learned a lot in that concealed carry uh, class. So, you're in favor of, of uh, I would say, mandatory, but it's some sort of training. Uh, what when you purchase a gun? I mean, just right off the bat. Well, well, he, I, I don't. You, you can get a Floyd card. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and buy a gun. But in order to conceal carry, in order to carry a gun in Illinois, you have to go through 16 hours of training, and every five years goes to another eight hours, mm-hmm. and to kind of keep updated. And I think, uh, in order to carry a gun, 
you need to okay. go through some kind of training. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know. I did. I I understand where that comes from, and uh, and he's uh, now and he's a gun every, owner, right? And he thinks the training helps. Yeah, so. but, and that's not a provision in the Indiana uh, law right. or, or the the the, oh, you the change. If you have a if you have uh, have the right to own a gun, uh, not the right. I'm sorry. If you have a license to own a gun, you automatically can carry it. No, I don't think you need a license. No license in Indiana. In Indiana. No, oh, we're we're so one of the only can... states that mandates. No, yeah, a Ford I was going to say I've never had a gun license. So, do you have to have any training to no. go buy a gun? No, you have to be 18 or older for and a long have gun no, and 21 for a handgun. No felony convictions nope. or been adjudicated mentally ill. That's right. Okay. And not addicted to drugs. And oh, you're right. That says that on the form. That's something doesn't else. It? It's a slippery slope. Drugs, but this yeah, exactly. legalizing because... dope. Yep. Uh, wow. Amanda, you're in Indiana. How is this affecting you? Well, other than um, I paid for a permit I don't need anymore, not really at all. Uh, <laughs> we're not doing anything different other than we no longer have to file paperwork. Um, Indiana never required any license to carry concealed or to take any classes, it was just you filed for a permit, you got your fingerprints taken, they did a back check, and they sent you your permit. Mm -hmm. And the permit was time, so we never had to renew it either. So there was no, like the, the last gentleman that called for uh, talking about how he was worried that, you know, people wouldn't have training. Nobody requires training in Indiana to begin with. They didn't before, they don't now. And you say you don't even need to do fingerprints or anything or background check anymore? Not anymore, no. Um, we also already had open carry for rifles. Right, long so guns. You yeah. you could, you, right, you could carry your rifle, no no permit required, nothing. Um, and you were allowed to have handguns in your home already. Mm -hmm. It's really, this only changes that you no longer need the ID to walk around outside with your gun. Hmm. Got it. That's it. That's the only difference. Honestly, so many of us have it out here that it's really not going to change the number of people owning them, I don't think. It's not going to cause people to rush out and buy guns all of a sudden. It wasn't what was holding them back. So, no, because even the cost to get a permit was not really prohibitive. So, okay. anyone who wanted one really already had one. Got and it. carrying it. You're saying people have been carrying them the whole time anyway. Yeah, we got our permits. We like our guns in Indiana, that's for sure. <laughs> here, here. All right. Appreciate it, Amanda. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. And, right. and Judy, just oh. to, to your point, Judy, they do do a background check when you buy when a you gun, buy the so, gun. Okay, so you do get checked at some point. Uh, that's okay. a that's a federal. I want to say FBI background mm -hmm. check, isn't that what it goes through yeah, an FBI next. database? Mm -hmm. Yeah, again to find out if you're a felon or legally adjudicated where you cannot own a mm -hmm. firearm. So yeah, if you're going to buy one, that's you. You already made it through there. So a uh, a Boeing seven thirty seven dash eight crashed in China, and some of the uh, the video and the accounts of it show the plane going. I mean, straight down, mm -hmm. almost. And we're get, hearing now breaking the speed of sound mm -hmm. on its way into the ground. Needs to say, sadly, no one survived that, but. Just another black eye for Boeing. Joining us right now is David Susi, uh, aviation safety analyst and former FAA flight accident inspector. Uh, good morning to you, David. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. A tragic day for these people, that's for sure. That it is. And, you know, I, Boeing's just coming out of the whole MAX uh, uh, kind of fiasco. And to be, and to be clear, uh, the, the aircraft that crashed was not a max aircraft this doesn't appear to be the mcas system i know more than i should david i know more than i should uh 
But this is a concern because if everything I understand, this was a relatively new plane. This isn't some ancient old plane falling out of the sky. I want to say, was it six years old? Yeah, six or seven, it was getting there. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's too early to tell whether this has anything to do with whether the aircraft was in, in trouble or not. You know, it's, uh, it is possible. There's ways that if, uh, if a pilot misreacts to certain things that go on on an aircraft, uh, things like this can happen, but very, very extremely, extremely rare. So at this point, tying it to the Boeing 737-800 or not is still premature. Uh-huh. However... Like you said, uh, Boeing has gone through so much over the last few years and has created and caused so, so much over these same years that uh, I feel like they've done a, a 180 degrees to what they used to be in their safety culture. I think Boeing has really mm-hmm. made great advancements in trying to trying to make sure that the, they don't have a recurrence of the MAX 8. Let's <laughs> um, hope. So this 800 issue is going to be... Uh, another version of that, uh, if there is something wrong with the airplane, if something happened to the airplane, they're going to have to face all the same consequences they did before. In most cases, in your experience, is it the airplane in crashes or is it something else? The human. <laughs> or the weather or, well, you know, it could be anything. a really interesting question, and uh, uh, I, I write about this quite a bit. You know, the it's always pilot error. That's what people say. Well, it's always the pilot error. And one of the reasons that conception perception is out there is that what the NTSB does is they investigate an accident from the perspective of saying, what's the last per- who's the last person that could have stopped this? We call that the proximate cause. Who's the last person that could have prevented it? Well, oftentimes, no matter what happens leading up to this you know, catastrophic event, whether it's failure of an engine, whether it's, you know, even an engine going out, if reacted to improperly by the pilot, the pilot will take the blame for that. But mm-hmm. wait a minute, the engine went out in the airplane, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Let's not, mm-hmm. let's not gloss over that. Uh, we're talking right. to David Susi, airline safety analyst, former FAA crash investigator. What does it say to you that this, this China, uh, China Southern, or did I get that right? Uh, China Eastern, uh, Boeing 737. I mean, this was in mid-flight. This was, uh, uh, you can, you know, how you can track planes. It was mm-hmm. operating uh, stable, level flight uh, on, a, on a normal day before it just literally went into a nosedive. Does that say something to you? Well, at first what it said to me was I had a panic attack about the fact that this was very similar to the German wings accident that we had a few years oh, ago. Oh, that... And, Remember that one where the uh, the pilot had, t- had committed suicide when the other pilot stepped out of the cockpit and he locked them out and they were smacking on the door and yeah. to get back into the cockpit as this guy was just controlling the airplane and not responding and uh, eventually uh, he just nosedived that aircraft which takes an enormous amount of, of strength and pressure to push an aircraft straight down like that you know you've got to push it straight down and just go you literally would have to have your feet on the controls trying to push it forward to get to that airplane to do that wow so it, but but in this case uh, after looking at it a little bit further um and and by the way they did find the black boxes i heard that morning yeah yeah so we'll know a lot more today maybe we can follow up on this a little bit but uh it appears appears to me that in that case the second thing that went through my mind and i always try to get down to two most probable things in my head right off the bat because as an investigator that helps you drive which 
direction you go what, as to what you look at on the, on the scene. But the the second thing that came to my mind uh, is is that if you have an engine failure, and, and imagine this, that you're in your car and only the left rear wheel is driving and you're pushing the gas and it's mm-hmm. bored and that, that left rear wheel is driving you. If that happens, if you want to still go straight, you're going to have to turn to the left. You're going to have to turn left and make that car go straight. Sure. But if you turn to the right, not only will you be turning to the right in a normal manner, but it's accentuated by that pressure from the other side. So that makes the car just really veer uncontrollably to the right. And that's the same scenario that we've seen a couple times in, in a couple of these types of accidents where the pilot responds incorrectly and they're trained time and time again. First thing you do is identify which engine went out. So if in case this engine did, they did have an engine failure or a fuel starvation or something happened to that right engine or left engine and you turn into that damaged engine, then it's going to it's going to turn and accentuate that turn so severely that it can cause the airplane to turn inverted. It would make a small, a, a really fast turn mm. to the right. The tail, the, your rudder wouldn't be able to keep up with it, mm. and it would cause what just a spin event is what we call it, a spin event. So when you spin that airplane, now the second thing that a pilot would have to do wrong to make an airplane go this direction than the way that it did is that once it spins and becomes inverted, the natural reaction is to pull up is to pull up on the aircraft because in fact the aircraft is telling you at this time you've stalled so pull up pull up and so you're trying to pull up but what that does is you're inverted of course is do just the, the other direction pushing you down now yeah so I, I have some questions for you because i think i, I flew on a on, on an 800 last weekend uh, i was uh, on an american airlines plane so i fly on the uh the eight and i fly on the maxis now a lot as well but I have a question. Uh, there is something out there. You know, there's all these websites these days, and one of them is the, the flight radar. And here's what we, we know, at least from this, about this plane. Tell me what this means. The plane is flying along at 29,000 feet, right? It suddenly <laughs> goes into a dive straight down. Um, yeah. it, it goes from uh, it, it, the, the rate of descent. 31,000 feet per minute. It gets all the way down to, uh, it dives for about 45 seconds. It stops at 7,000 feet, actually climbs back up a little, and then dives once again straight into the ground. And when I say straight into the ground, there's some uh, dash cam videos. I don't know if you've seen these as well, uh, uh, sir, that that appear to show a plane, you know, I mean, absolutely at a parallel angle, heading straight into the ground. What does that data say to you? Is is that more consistent with a a problem with an aircraft, or like you mentioned earlier, deliberately a pilot flying a plane into the ground? Well, there's two different aspects to that. But first of all, let's put that into perspective. Please, we're talking going from straight to 400 miles an hour straight down. Oof. I mean that that doesn't happen ever. I mean, yeah. airplanes flying through the sky uh, in cruise control cruise configuration when does that ever happen uh, i i only know of one other and that was that was a pilot suicide mm-hmm. i have to back off on that there was one other other than that that did very similar to that in colorado springs oh yeah that investigation i was involved with there in which uh, the aircraft went directly in and that turned out to be a rudder failure a, a, a the shuttle valve, they call it. Right. And that shuttle valve got stuck between and it ended up driving that aircraft directly down. Now, barring those two examples, I have no other examples of this. And it's not like airplanes are going to start falling out of the sky from this. So I'm very, very, um, 
concerned about what happened, and I really want to get the answers to this so we can find out and put people at ease about flying because we have to put that into perspective, the number of times that's ever happened in the millions and millions of flights that go on. So, so you're so not concerned about the Boeing 737 as an aircraft right now? No, I am not. The 737-800 has been flying forever. It's the tractor of the skies. Uh, well, not forever, but it's a newer model. And uh, and not only not only did the 737 Max 8 get get a complete overhaul as far as going from ground zero through the end just for safety examinations, but they they learned a lot from that and made improvements to the 737-800 on what they had learned about the possibilities mm. of failures uh, on the Max. So I don't see that 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 this is something that happened to the aircraft, other than the, the remote possibility of an engine failure and the pilot reacting in, improperly to that. So, so I, wait, I just really so just so we're clear, that you're saying that the only way you see this happening is on purpose, the way the plane went well, down. No, I'm not saying on purpose. What I'm saying, well, that is a possibility, certainly. But the other possibility, and probably more likely possibility, is that uh, there was something that happened to the aircraft. Let's say that it was an engine failure or something happened to the aircraft itself, and then the pilot reacted improperly to it. Mm. And, and in, those, in that scenario, that can also happen. But at any rate, it, it appears to me that it's some kind of... Um, uh, act on someone's part. Let's put it that way. Something happened up there that shouldn't have happened, uh, and that's what I would think is the most likely cause. The only other explanation would be something absolutely catastrophic, which has never, never really happened to my knowledge. For example, a, a tail came off or a wing came off or something like that. Right. But that literally has never happened in my knowledge, and I've been doing this for more years than I'd like to mention. I'm going to give you credit. 35 of them, as far as I know. We're talking to David Susi, airline safety analyst, former FAA crash investigator, and uh, his website, whyplanescrash.com. You know, I recently watched the documentary, Downfall, The Case Against Boeing, which got into the, the 737 MAX issue with the two planes that crashed. But you said something, and I, I think it's interesting, because the, the documentary was critical of a culture of safety at Boeing. Boeing, uh, Boeing based here in Chicago. Do you think that that's changed? Do, do you do you feel that there the culture inside Boeing is such that regardless of what's behind this, that Boeing's going to be out front on it? Uh, most definitely, I, I've I've felt I, and I speak to Boeing at, at least weekly, mo more than that, maybe two or three times during the week about what they're doing, how they're doing it. They invited me down there to see what they're doing. I've seen it firsthand and watched their manufacturing processes. I've watched everything about what's going on with Boeing and the MAX 8. I was one of the first people to go down and, and uh, be in the test flight uh, room with when they test flew the aircraft to test the new software on the MAX 8. So I've been very, very involved in it, and I've seen a distinct safety culture change and shift. Uh, and that goes back to the investigations I did 20 years ago when I compared Airbus to uh, Boeing. And there were mm -hmm. some things that Boeing wasn't doing right at that time and had continued with that culture as far as the, you know, manufacturing, the, the, the assembly line type of process. And they learned a lot from that. This was a joint effort between Airbus and us and the FAA and Boeing uh, to put together what's the best practices. So these best practices came out and they've used those and learned on that. But 
that's the that's the mechanics of what goes on within the the manufacturer. What hadn't changed was the actual hidden or subversive safety culture of saying, "Hey, there's something wrong here," and then saying, "Well, that's going to affect our bottom line, so let's take that take a real close look at that before we do something." Yeah. But that culture is completely gone right now. The transparency and the things that are brought up and the issues, and I've actually talked to people that work on the line about how it's changed and how it's moved forward, and they're no longer worried about saying, hey, I'm going to hand off my work that I've done to the next line in the manufacturing chain, and now I'm going to communicate that very openly and have discussions with groups of people. Nothing goes on one-to-one like we saw uh, witnessed in the MAX-8, or excuse me, in the, uh, yeah, in the, in the MAX-8 investigations. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, when we find out more, we might have to have you back on to explain it to us. Uh, sincerely appreciate your time today. He's David Susi, airline safety analyst, a former FAA crash investigator. Done, been doing this for 35 years. Got his website, whyplanescrash.com, as the investigation. And, and again, he mentioned the black boxes have been found. We should find more information about exactly what happened to that plane in China. You know, there's a lot of sports out there. ESPN has taught me that. When ESPN just started adding channels, like they needed to have something on there. I've, I've discovered sports. I didn't even know we're sports, for goodness sakes. But there they are. Look at that. About 3 in the morning, you turn on ESPN, you never know what you might find. Uh, and sports betting has become obviously a really really big deal i mean we're right in the middle of the ncaa tournament um they're estimating that three billion with a b three billion dollars will be wagered on games that's just the legal betting by the way that doesn't that's not your office pool yeah okay that's the legal yeah at least right a lot of money out there but are other sports benefiting from that as well? Joining us right now is Steve Hall, Commissioner of the American Ultimate Disc League. Good morning to you, Steve. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Judy. How are you Hi, Steve. I Okay, I'm going to admit it. I had to look up American uh, <laughs> Ultimate Disc League. I'm like, what the hell is that? Why don't you just call it the Frisbee League? I wish. Well, you yeah, talk to Whammo. They've, uh, they own the word Frisbee. Name, but- yeah. I, oh, I gotta be polite. Uh, I gotcha. gotta play the game. Okay. Yeah. So it's a disc. It's we'll, a disc. We'll go with that. Right. It's it's like Q-tips. It's a it's a disc. So we've got the Chicago Union, by the way, as our team. I do like I do like a lot of the names of the teams in the league. I mean, you've got like the Detroit Mechanics. Okay, that makes sense. I get it. You know, uh, you've got you've got uh, uh, the Indianapolis Alley Cats. But why are you hating on Minnesota so much? The Minnesota Windchill. That doesn't sound like a good thing. <laughs> the Minnesota Windchill. I love that name. Oh my goodness! So, uh, but you know, I, when you think about uh, the Ultimate Disc League, right? I, I admit that I don't know if I think sports betting, but you're saying, oh yeah, it's a part of it. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. We signed a deal last year with a company called L Sports, uh, which is like Sport Radar and Genius Sports. They are the distribution of all the data, all the statistics, you look at the NFL, the major pro sports, mm-hmm. it's all about taking the statistics and getting out to people like DraftKings, FanDuel, Bet365, to feed this you know, huge burgeoning empire, which is online betting. And, and we benefit. We've uh, signed a deal with them to get our, our information out there, and we did a deal with DraftKings last year. Uh, free-to-play pools, we started making lines on our games, and, I mean, it gets the word out, right? Like yeah. I said, a lot of people don't know what Ultimate is, you know, if you're in the community, yeah, you know what it is. You know the, the pro league. But, you know, you're a sports person, betting person. You're like, hey, I'm looking for an interesting, fun thing to do. 
what is this ultimate thing? Oh, my gosh, I can put a line on the Chicago Union versus the Minnesota Windchill game, plus two. Man, you know, you know, what should I do? Hey, let's go check it out. So it's been great for us, for people to go, hey, let me go check out the league. Let me see what's going on with this thing. You know, and I can put a little wager via draftings on it. So wow. where do you guys play? Like at parks, at on beaches? Yeah, so we, we play in a lot of the, like these uh, private municipal complexes. Chicago actually plays at De La Salle. So either usually co- mostly college, mm-hmm. uh, you know, football fields or these uh, muni-, muni complexes are being built for football fields. I live across the street from a park and they have Frisbee golf. It packed every day. Yeah, that, it doesn't matter what the yeah. weather is. People play every single day. Yeah, it's been great. The pandemic was great for disc golf. And even some of our guys, you know, in the off season, that's what they do. They love disc sports and, you know, grab your four-pack of IPA, go out there in the woods and uh, throw the disc around. A little bit. Oh, I love, yeah. I love it. That's so what makes it fun. If you're a pro in the in the uh, uh, American Ultimate Disc League, you play you play frisbee golf for fun. That, that's kind of your, your, your off time. And then you get serious when it's time to join the Disc League. We're talking again to Steve Hall, Commissioner of the American Ultimate Disc League, and about the, the betting aspect of it. Have you seen, does it draw more fans? Are you, are you seeing more interest in your sport because people are betting on, on games? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think of betting as another form of entertainment, right? Okay. And it's in, you know, betting is entertainment, sports is entertainment, and these two worlds have come together. You know, like you said, it's been on the private side, right? We've had the office pools for years. Sure. It's always been a part of this world, but now it's legal. You know, obviously the, the states and counties are loving the, the tax revenue off of it, <laughs> and it's going to be intertwined going forward. I mean, we pay a lot of attention to it. We're creating more data, more statistics to, you know, to feed the machine because it's fun, right? We go to a game. You spend half your game, you know, looking out at your phone, checking out your fantasy team, making a bet, taking selfies, checking social media, and then you look and see what's going on in the game. So it's just, it's part of what we do as uh, sports entertainers. And do you think this betting will, like, open up, open it up to more people? I mean, I, I had to look up what it meant, but do you think you're going to get a lot more fans? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've already seen it with DraftKings. We had a really good deal with them last year, hoping to re-sign them for this year. And it just got more eyeballs, you know, whether they're checking us out on the website coming to a game or watching us on Fox Sports, you know, on Saturday nights, it's just more eyeballs. And they go, hey, man, that's a pretty cool. These guys run fast, jump high. They're real athletes. Uh, maybe I'll go check out a game. And so, uh, you know, it's a long-term play, but um, anything we can do to get more eyeballs on us is, is good. Is this just, I'm sorry, is this just men? Or are there women leagues too? So are women's leagues. Yeah, there's two women's leagues in the United States, the Premier Ultimate League and the Western Ultimate League. Um, very similar to what we do, you know, playing on a uh, big field and, um, they're doing well. Are there any concerns? Is there a downside to this, Steve? As as the commissioner of a league, is there any worries? Well, I tell you, we I, we just had the first two player orientations. Our season kicks off at the beginning of May, and we had um, a slide on the use of mandatory player orientations, which talked about you know we actually had a picture sadly of Calvin Ridley. You look at what happened, oh, to him, wow. you know, being yeah. kicked out of the NFL for a year. For a year, and we just said don't, yeah, full year. When we said you know don't do it, so we have. Part of the, the mandatory contract language, uh, you know, you cannot bet. And um, you look back at Pete Rose's situation in the Hall of Fame and said, look, this guy was a great athlete, and look what's happened to him. Look what happened to Calvin Really, Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, so it's, it's a part of the education. Um, you know, for fans, it's entertainment. It's at expense. But for our players, the officials, everybody else, you know, you just don't cross that line. Appreciate your time today, Steve. Where can people go find more information on your sport? 
Go to theaudl.com and check us out on Fox Sports 2 on Saturday nights this spring. There you go. The uh, American Ultimate Disc League. That's outstanding. A popular crime spotting app will test out private security on demand in Chicago. How do we get to this point? And is this just adding an extra, dare I say, expensive step to self-defense? The app is called Citizen. And it basically allows you, instead of calling the police, you can call for private security. Now, to me, it's unclear if you pay by the call or that you pay like a subscription. I have a, I have a feeling because I tried this out in LA as well. Um, wh- when would you call them during, in what kind of a situation? A situation where you want private security and not a police officer. Hmm. Yeah. So the citizen app is like you. You know, you if you hear shots fired or you see something happening, you can be kind of a crime spotter, and you just say, "Hey, this is happening at these cross streets," and it sends it out to the network of other people that use citizen in your area, and uh, that way you kind of keep track of what's going oh, okay. on. But they want to add to it. Yeah. A private security force, armed. Uh, is the way I understand it. Security guards that can then respond if you want private security for your home, your business, whatever it might be, because of a concern you might have. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's an app for that. Leave it to, there's an app for everything. There's an app for that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it does get into, I can understand the slippery slope of, like, private policing when does it become vigilantism do people trust them more than they would trust police or vice versa like that's an interesting thing and police really they would only respond to the crime the potential crime right they wouldn't respond to your what you felt was your safety if you hear shots fired and you don't feel safe the police do that right but i mean and you're going to go to the store you don't call the police for an escort that's not what they do so i could see the security in that respect yeah well and remember there was uh in bucktown i believe they were trying to set up a hire a private security for it and maybe they I, I right they for like their have. neighborhood yeah for their neighborhood and isn't that called a gated community <laughs> seriously yeah, I, I mean, mean yeah, it's I guess kind you... of i i actually don't have a problem with that right but it, it bet you know for who's paying for it and right. how much are they going to cover and i think the self-defense aspect of it is like well Really, wouldn't people maybe feel better about having the ability to defend themselves instead of having to pay more to get someone else to do it? We already pay the police. Right. And I mean, I, we laugh a lot when I say gated community, but usually there's a person sitting there. At right. The, at the guard a security. Shack. Yeah, it's a guard. Now, I don't know what kind of guard it is because you just have to show your pass, yeah, your visitor's pass. But I mean, you know, sometimes I guess they could have an armed guard there. <laughs> I, I was driving up Sheridan yesterday, and I got to tell you, there's some of those houses up there on the on the North Shore that most Ooh, certainly yeah. have a guard shack, oh, <laughs> and most certainly there's a yeah. guy at the front of it. Their oh. guard shack is bigger than the house I grew up in, for right. God's sake. So I'm now, like, that's I, a guard shack? <laughs> I'll tell you, when I went to Puerto Rico and rented a, like an Airbnb, across the street there was a guard. And it kind of, you know, so in that respect, now I think about it, it bothered me because then I thought, well, this must be an unsafe neighborhood. It was an armed guard, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But then I found out, because I could see from the, my top floor, it was like a compound he was guarding right mm-hmm. on the water. And it was the um, 
the guy who owns Goya. So, okay, then I felt a little bit safer. But in other countries, private security oh, yeah. in place of police is more commonplace. Yep. And that uh, you you don't call the cops. You have your own security staff. And that's basically what this app would be for a subscription fee you would have access to. Um they, they call it a rapid response team. I mean, they, they 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 literally would be driving over and surrounding your house. I don't and know. Keeping you safe. There's something. Well, in the, I, I, mean, I heard noises in the backyard, right. or I, you know, I don't know. You would think it was more for to to deter crime, right? I mean, that's what mm. I I would use it for. I wouldn't want it after the fact that would be well how do you know crime's about to happen you just got to call them and go i want you to stand outside for a while like tom said earlier you wouldn't believe what these you know we used to have calling trees before in the past now you know all these sites they have i mean i have i'm on a neighborhood site i know if someone coughs the wrong way you know did you see our neighbor what was he wearing i uh yeah so i mean i made a wrong turn and i had to turn around in a driveway and i guarantee i'm on the neighborhood app now oh yeah suspicious person driving in the neighborhood neighborhood. i I got that i I identified your truck started i was like like, wait i know that guy people yeah so uh, yeah but see now think about that that's just people watching and i add security to that Mm -hmm. i mean a security guard would have thought you were suspicious he may have opened fire. There you go. Well, I okay. Let's. I you're just turning just around. I mean, yeah, a guy's not yeah. gonna. I, I mean, I, I understand, but I don't yeah. feel like some guy's just gonna whip out a, a Glock and start firing because you turned around. <laughs> he might come up and be like, "Hey, man, you need some help." Which right, I mean, turned t- around. Yeah, just sorry. Turned around. Head head yeah. up. Pardon me. Did sorry. a Huey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be on the neighborhood app for that. I I do worry about the busy bodies though. Because uh, they've they've got I can't remember literally sitting at their window, peering through the curtain, yeah. thinking everyone is a ne'er do well and everything is a mass murder about to happen. Okay, Abna, but you, Abna, what's that? Bruce St. James doing Abna? Everyone knows someone like that, and if with like the people I know like that, when I'm hanging out with them and they're doing it, I I tend to get it, it is kind of mind-numbing, but at the same time, you almost can't look away. It's like, what are you looking at? And then you start looking, and then you start seeing things. And then you start envisioning things. Always watching. What is she doing out there? Well, and then you kind of get into it. You know, you get a glass of wine, you sit down, and you just kind of look around. Wearing wearing white after liberty. I can't believe her. Maybe you should just have a notepad. real. Mail it into the Tribune and be like, She's not fooling anyone. That's not her real hair. (laughs) (laughs) that's what i think they do that's what i think is going on as you peer through there it's so easy right to do that and to 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 come up with scenarios that are not even true so yeah there's always you know i'm just i'm just throwing it out there there there's always a problem of going overboard how bad things have gotten in chicago that literally there is a a private company with an app that is going to step in and for many people it feels like kind of fill the gap between what they think the police should be doing and what it takes to make them feel safe that you will have on demand private security i can see people using it like this you're out for dinner okay and you're over fulton market and it's getting late i want to have private security walk me to my car I, I want to have private security, make sure I get, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah, we yeah. hear about, I, I, I mean, I could see people using it in the context of, I, I'm i in a neighborhood I don't feel safe in or a situation, 
and I want somebody there with me, but not somebody that you could call 911. I mean, you call the cops and go, right. you walk me to my car, they hang up on you. Yeah, you know, they're going to know you don't do that. But would that be something? You know what they should do? Now, here's an idea. The restaurants and bars should have someone on staff like that. Yeah. To walk you to your car. Because, I mean, that is a legitimate concern, especially for women. Just as an example. Uh, absolutely. Though. You know, when I was in college, I remember there we had a, a really notorious murder, rape and murder. And they immediately supplied um, rides mm-hmm. for all women on campus. So you can go, and, which was great because, you know, I could use a ride. I lived a little bit far. But, I mean, you know, it was a great idea to go to the library, to go to campus, uh, free of charge, just called up. I mean, and it's kind of like the same thing now. You, 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 we're going in that direction. This wouldn't be free of charge, I assure you. Yeah. You'd have yeah. to pay for it. The Lollapalooza He's lineup the special guest. has been announced July 28th through the 31st is this year's version of Lala. And joining us to make some sense of the madness, for God's sakes, Lauren O'Neill uh, does uh, afternoons on our sister station, WKQX. How exciting is it for you to be on the radio right now, Lauren? I'm so excited. I can tell. I really can. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Judy. Hello. <laughs> so we're looking at the lineup for this. Uh, it is decidedly eclectic. Is that a nice way to put I mean, because not often you hear the words uh, Metallica and J. Cole in the same sentence. That is true. Eclectic is a great way to describe it. And I think I did see way at the bottom Bill O'Reilly Bill? on tambourine. Okay, so. fair enough. There you go. Yeah. Definitely covering <laughs> all the bases here. You obviously um, go to Lala every year. You are 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 knee deep in it. You have no choice. It's heck. It's part of your job, for goodness sakes. Um, but you know, you, I, I get a sense that last year's Lala, coming out of a pando, they kind of dipped their toe in it. They're jumping all the way in this year. Do you feel that? Definitely. And I mean, top to bottom, this lineup is incredible, and you can hear. Almost all of these bands on 101 WKQX, which is very exciting for me to be able to play all the bands that are going to be there. And I mean, there's a death metal band on this (laughs) year's lineup. Talk about covering absolutely all the genres. It's crazy. Death metal. Now, I see, and I find that interesting, don't they? Isn't that usually what Lollapalooza is? I mean, it's always eclectic, right? I'm always like, God, that band is playing and that band is playing, which I think is what people love. Yeah, but I think they've really kind of amped it up to 11 this year. I think, you know, we're open back up and people are feeling it. We're coming out of the winter and people are just ready to just get back to it. Mm. And I think the lineup is a great reflection of that. And now I see that they have a a kid palooza. Is that a good place for kids? (laughs) It's actually a great place for kids. They have it every year. Yeah. Yeah. What happens at kid palooza? You know, kids. Under 10 are free. You know, I mean, I think it just kind of opens up a whole, you know, a whole group, a new group of people to go. Definitely. Well, like I said, it's always had the kid pull yeah. the stage um, and definitely bands that cater to the crowd. Got and it. I mean, it's an amazing way to start to bring in that younger generation into oh. the festival, you know, during the day uh, before it gets really you know, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Fair night. enough. 
We're talking so. again to Lauren O'Neill. Uh, uh, she does afternoons on our sister station, WKQX, about the Lollapalooza lineup being announced again, July 28th through the 31st. You know, something we, we talked about the other day also was the price of tickets. I mean, help me understand in your professional opinion, Lauren. <laughs> is is three? It's starting at three hundred fifty bucks. Is that still a good deal? Is Lala still a a bargain? What you get, you're bang for your buck. Uh, I would say at three fifty, and I feel like the prices went down this year. Oh. Um, I think they were over four for four days last year. Okay, okay. So, interesting. When you think about it, you think about the hundreds of bands that you're going to see. I think that it is fairly priced. In yeah. comparison, you know, to other festivals, and the good news is we will have some free tickets to give away. Of course, oh, nice. you will. It's KQX for God's sake. Of course, you're going to do it. Do you feel for the bands at the bottom of the list? You've ever seen how this is? Like, you know, you get like the big font at the top: Metallica, Dua Lipa, mm-hmm. J-, J. Cole, Green Day, Machine Gun Kelly, right? And then you get to the very, very bottom, and the last, per- the last one on the list, Bucky Cheds. I feel bad for Bucky Cheds. Bucky Cheds <laughs> is the last band mentioned on here, and I got to believe Bucky Cheds looks in and goes, listen, I'm happy to be on Lollapalooza. Don't yeah, get me wrong. But I'm bigger. Definitely. I'm much bigger than Prentice. I'm bigger than Binky, for God's sakes. Why am I last on the list? Hey, just like Chicago Bears, there's always next year, Bucky. Yeah, it's always well, next year. I, you I, could be the headliner. <laughs> I assume, Lauren, that you know bands want to be at Lollapalooza, right? I mean, it's, it's not like they're scraping to get people to uh, perform. I wouldn't imagine that they have to, but yeah, I mean... It's when a paid gig. Through. <laughs> yeah. It's a paid gig. Yeah, don't, and don't so, worry. And so, Lauren, you had mentioned earlier crazy until the crazy starts. Tell us about crazy. What's that like? Well, you know, when the uh, when the sun starts to go down over Grant Park and um, people have been celebrating, especially by the fourth day, um, oh. it gets a little... It's a little rowdy. Yeah. Well, it's a little rowdy. You know, you'll find clothes in the trees and <laughs> things of that nature. So, come on. Now, Lauren, you, you get a decidedly different experience. And, and obviously, with your time here in Chicago, you, heck, you know most of these bands. You're friends with them. What's it like backstage? Everybody wants to know. Um, it's pretty boring, actually. Oh! <laughs> That's what you always hear. Yep. Come no, on. I mean, we you always hit the free bar. Happy hour starts at five o'clock. Right. Um, that's that's where you can find everybody kind of hanging out. But I mean, people are typically prepping for their sets, so there's a lot of yoga and some meditation. Yoga? That's not what I expect backstage. You're going to tell me two percent milk next. I just can't handle that. Hey, Lauren, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Have a great Lauren. show today on KQX. Thanks, guys. You can hear Lauren starting at 2 o'clock over on our sister show. And you can hear all the Lollapalooza bands. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you can practically all, all of them. all that music. We know times have been tough. And uh, recently, there's a lot of folks out there who have been struggling. And we've had some uh, great examples of community leaders, of corporations, of just individuals jumping in and helping out when needed. We get another example of that right now. Joining us is Gina Perino-Bolger, Senior Vice President of Marketing for Home Run In, and the great-granddaughter of the founder, Nick Perino. Perino, Gina, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me this morning. It's great to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about what Home Run In pizzas are doing Well, to help Chicagoans in need? Yes, absolutely. So this year is our 75th anniversary. Wow. And we all sat down. I know, right? <laughs> and we all sat down and said, how could we celebrate? And the first thing that came to our minds is one of our core values is giving back. 
And we said, you know, let's reach out to the mayor's office and work with the city of Chicago and help those in need who really need, you know, pizza and, and food and shelter yeah. and whatnot. So we um, reached out to the city and they were excited to work with us. And we're partnering with them this year. And throughout the year, we're going to be giving away 10,000 pizzas to the city of Chicago Department of Family and Support Services so that they can help the shelters, elderly, children, whoever need help during this time. Wow. So we're really excited and we should be able to feed 40 to 50,000 people with that food, with those pizzas. Wow. I mean, 10,000 pizzas is a lot of pizza. And I'm yeah. gonna, it's yeah. frozen, right? You're going to give out the frozen pizzas. We're, we're going to give the frozen pizzas away to the city so that they can bring them to the shelters sure. and they can cook them there. Yeah. It'll be the easier way to do it. A lot right. easier. Oh, absolutely. And I yeah. love your frozen pizza. What is it about well, your pizza that you. I love so much? Tell me. Um, well, we often get the crust is, you know, it's yes. unique. It's different. It's uh, buttery and flaky. Mm. And yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> now I, I want pizza for breakfast. Yeah. Look at you, Gina. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. I think I pizza's right. fine it's for also breakfast. All natural. Yeah. Yeah. It's also all natural and we use premium ingredients. So we just, you know, having all that together gives it a real flavor kick. So Gina Perino Bolger with us right now from uh, the Home Run Inn Pizza. Uh, again, great granddaughter of the founder. 75 years, celebrating 75 years. Go, go back in time a little. Your great grandfather. Where did this all come from? Um, so that's a great story. Uh, they were from Bari, Italy. And when they moved into the south side of Chicago, they were Italian immigrants in a Polish community, and they had a tavern in the 1920s. And as they would put drinks out on the bar, they actually didn't, they couldn't afford and didn't want to buy pretzels or peanuts or popcorn. Uh So they made this backwards pizza recipe, which is now today home run in, um, and gave it away to customers coming in. Eventually, customers started coming in and asking to buy the pizza, and that's how Home Run In got started. Wow. And was the bar yeah. called Home Run In? It was called Home Run In after. It wasn't in, at that point, but in the 1940s it was because there's a baseball field across um, the street from the <laughs> restaurant. And all of the, the kids' home runs would actually hit our building. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Off the what front a great door. story. Yeah that's, yeah, that's how we got the name Home Run In. And you have Home Run In, I'm sorry, Home Run In uh, restaurants, right? We do. We have nine Homer Inn restaurants throughout the city. And then we also have a Homer Inn restaurant in Midway Airport. And we have a partnership with the Cubs. So we have two Homer Inn branded stands in Wrigley Field. Yeah. We're again, Gina Perino Bulger with uh, Home Run Inn uh, Pizza, the Home Run Inn Pizza locations, the frozen pizza. So you're the perfect person to ask about the debate. I think you know where I'm going. What is Chicago Uh-oh. pizza, Gina? Define Chicago what style. What's Chicago pizza? So, of course, I'm going to say <laughs> Chicagoans eat thin crust pizza. Here, here. Yeah, they do. For deep dish. Yes. That's, <laughs> I mean, you know. Chicagoans they, eat thin that. Yeah. Yeah. That's outstanding. Now, I'm with you on that. You mentioned your recipe when you guys first started was a backwards recipe. What does that mean? Backwards pizza Correct. recipe. Um, our crust is made backwards. Um, we we have a unique process to it, but um, most crusts are lighter and doughy and rise in the oven. And ours is the it it's um, fermented for the flavor, and it's made it's just made backwards from the majority of pizza crust. Okay, and that's what makes it unique. And that's what makes it unique. Yep.
Okay, I get it. I, I'm not going to argue. Don't argue with success. Okay, I got another one. I'm not trying to start fights here this morning, Gina. I just mean when I'm talking to the the, the great granddaughter of the founder of Home Run in Pizza, I've got an expert, so I need to ask these things now. Do, do, do you cut it into squares or triangles? My gosh, I love this debate. We <laughs> cut it. <laughs> these are very good questions. We cut it into squares. Squares is it. Okay. Yeah. We're at thin cut, thin thin crust and squares. Oh, do tell the story. Right. So when, when going back to the original, um, my, my grand, my great grandparents putting the pizza out on the bar, they cut it into small squares because they didn't want to give larger pizzas away because it was just kind of a sample. Sure. So mm-hmm. that's how we got started with the squares. Well, that makes and sense. And we've stayed consistent with the squares since then. It's so funny because I prefer a square pizza, but it tastes the same it's whether the same it's pizza. a square or a triangle. <laughs> but no, it just for some reason doesn't. I, I really, I just, I feel like it cooks differently when it's, and I know that's ridiculous, but in my head, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, we, whenever we do a post on social media and tell people squares or triangles, oh my gosh, everybody, all the Chicagoans are like, how could you ever cut your feet in triangles? It's so funny. <laughs> well, it does make, it is kind of silly because if you think about it, pizza is round. It usually comes in a square box and people cut it into triangles. I mean, we just completely got it all backwards. Yeah, but now, because I'm to defend uh, triangles, which I don't like. It cuts it. It cuts better because the squares sometimes, if you don't cut it the right way, you get that little tiny piece I love at the, the end. Little tiny oh, corners. See, no, oh, I'm not a big. I love them. They're crispy. Uh, yeah, and then you have a big piece in the middle. Yeah. And so there's that. Well, Gina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for helping settle some of the debates. By the way, Gina has spoken. It's pizza law. Okay, we're going with that. We're at thin crust and we're at squares. There is no argument. Gina, I'm on your side with this. And thanks again so much to Home Run Inn for uh, for donating 10,000 free pizzas to Chicagoans in need. Uh, what a great way to celebrate the 75th anniversary and what a great legacy for the family. And what a great treat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We're very proud to be part of the city. Here, here. All right. She's Gina Perino Bolger. Again, not only she I worked love there, home running. but yeah, the great good. granddaughter. I love those companies, any, any, you know, where it is truly the family. Because, listen, it means something different when it was your name. Yeah, <laughs> you know and, what and I'm they saying? haven't changed anything. Yeah. It's still the backwards pizza recipe. Yeah. I think they only made it maybe a little bit bigger. You know, maybe I can get a family size now. But, yeah, and I love that they have the frozen pizza. I mean, it's it's just really good pizza. Um, Kanye West has been barred from performing at the Grammys, despite the fact that he's nominated. Um, I believe he will be allowed to attend, but he will not be performing. And it brings up an interesting question. Because if you've been following any of this, and I admit I am not a celebrity watcher by any stretch of the imagination, but Kanye's behavior recently um amidst the 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 breakup of his marriage to kim kardashian has been increasingly um erratic well he was always to me pretty close to the edge and now it sounds like he's gone over the edge uh from from threats to bizarre 15 page long instagram posts to uh, a music video in which kim kardashian's new boyfriend uh, the comedian pete davidson uh where uh, an image of him is buried alive yeah, in kidnapped it kidnapped and buried and um 
it's interesting because, you know, some people see this, and I do think there's an element to this, and Trevor Noah, I think, really touched on this in a good way. We see this, and we're kind of watching it like a reality show because, you know, Kim Kardashian is a reality star. She's rich and she's famous. Kanye, he's a billionaire, and he all this and the other. Should we be looking at this, though, like what a lot of women go through whenever a relationship ends and you have an ex, a boyfriend, husband, whatever, mm-hmm. who is harassing you, harassing you online, threatening you? If, the, if, if Kanye wasn't famous... Would he be in jail for this? Yeah, has she not gotten any kind of orders of protection or anything? I, I don't know where she's at on that. I felt like she got one. I think she needs being too close. Yeah, I mean, at this point, and so I think when his mom died, he kind of went off the deep end a little bit. It affected him. Yeah, no I doubt. mean, so the, I bring that up because obviously he has a mental illness. You know what I mean? There's something wrong. He needs to see some. And that's what, like, uh, Trevor Noah was saying. You need therapy, dude. I know art is therapy, but therapy is also therapy, which, of course, set him off even more. And, you know, think about Kanye. It's not like he, I mean, he is up for nomination for, like, best rap song. Yeah. Best album, album yeah. of the year. It's you know no small potatoes. Still here. a prolific artist. Yes, and still it's it's a wonder he's able to create any music because he's but so do you, do you he's think- so busy with these <laughs> tweets and these threats, threats and, and these whatnot. yeah the craziness. Do is it different because they're celebrities? Do we look at it different? Because I I, I put it this way: if if you had your sister <laughs> or your best friend who was being harassed like this. Would you think it was, oh, well, this is, you know, no. entertainment fodder? Yeah, or you would say, I, I fear for your safety or the right. child's safety or, or, you know, or your, your new boyfriend's safety or whatever. I mean, you could see where I think well, we tend be- to... We tend to excuse it because it's their celebrities, right? And it's because it's it's so public. We, if mm. I had, if my sister was being harassed by her ex husband, you wouldn't necessarily know about. I wouldn't it know unless I told you. Yeah, and it would be more private. It's not something you... And a lot of times, though, in these cases, they become public because something bad happens. Right. And this is, But this one's being publicized. Right. This is publicized from start to finish. We're going through all the details where, until... Here's the bottom line, though. Something bad can happen. In the end, this could end badly. So while we're all watching... Uh, and, OJ? Yeah. I, you I know, mean, it's... You know, uh, again, I don't know how public that was beforehand. Maybe mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. some... This... This is so In this right? day and age. Who doesn't know? I don't even, I don't like Kanye. I certainly don't like any Kardashian. However, <laughs> I'm aware of this. You yeah. can't not be aware. Everyone knows about it. Yeah. But you know what? The sad thing is, just because it's public and we know about it doesn't mean we can, It can. It's, that means nothing bad's going to happen. Right. It can still, that's the problem here. Something bad can still happen. Something, something tragic yes. could happen what? out of this uh, in a variety of ways. And I have no idea how that all plays out. But I, I, I worry that... And, you know, Kanye's a great example of it. And I've dealt with him before professionally in the music side. He's surrounded by people who, by the way, their entire livelihood is dependent on him. So guess what? They tell him what he wants to hear. Doesn't anyone care about him, though? I feel like Kim Kardashian's probably the only one who does, and she doesn't want any part of this. But someone has to care enough to say, just, you know, Well, you see how he help. reacts when, when, when even somebody like uh, talk show host Trevor Noah right. says you need therapy. If you're in that inner circle and your, your, your livelihood is dependent on that money train, you're not going to be the one to tell him he needs therapy. Heck no. Yeah, you, but, t- you do that. Don't let Kim get away with that. 
Right. When something goes wrong, when something yeah. bad happens, then what What are we all going to say? Oh, wow. Well. Stop coming. Yeah, I mean, this so, is an oh, example of help him? people say, oh, why didn't we do something? Right. Here's the, the red flags. The lights are going off. Kanye is absolutely harassing his ex-wife. And uh, um, I think too many people tend to look the other direction because yeah. they're, they're celebrities. Well, one of the because re- there are laws, right? She has to be the one to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, it might be one of the reasons why you think we're going to heck in a handbasket. Don't worry. Judy says she can restore your faith in humanity. Well, let me take you to London, where a stretch of road has been closed to traffic for more than three weeks now, and that is to allow toads to cross safely to ponds where they breed. That's right, Mm, toads. That section of road near Richmond is blocked to motorists until the start of April so that those creatures don't get squished on their annual migration. Toad patrol volunteers man the road, which, by the way, (laughs) meanders through a leafy stretch of the park at night. But the road does remain blocked off all day long. And locals, well, they have been heaping praise on this conservation initiative. It also eliminates the risk of accidents as, as we know, drivers can get distracted by the crossing frogs in their path. (laughs) I'm not sure how this would play in Chicago, but in London, they jump for their toads. Oh, I wouldn't right, want to yeah. run thank over you, a you, bunch everyone. of toads. <laughs> that reminds yeah. me of the. There's a road in down in Carbondale they closed because of the migration of like the toads to- and snakes. If you've seen some of this, it is like filled. Right, with I don't want to drive over you a whole thing of toads. I want that in my car. Sometimes you're not paying attention and you start to drive, uh, and then you're like, "Oh, I gotta go. Still gotta finish it." And, these things. Oh, yeah, so, I like that. Toadapalooza. Give the toads some room, people. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. Restoring uh, ours and all toads' faith in humanity, for goodness sakes. Also, thanks a lot to uh, MG and the posse over there in Mission Control, hitting all the buttons. They make things happen. Uh, all, what we got over there? Is it Joey doing some of the work? All right, all right, doing some of the calls. Appreciate that, Joey D. Also, uh, DJ Tom, shh, your mouth on the ones and twos over there.